1: Good morning, it is Wednesday, October 6th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Today we're gonna be joined by David Eichholt of Hawkeye Insider, the 24-7 Sports Iowa Hawkeye site, talking about the biggest game of the weekend, number three, Iowa home against number four, Penn State. David believes it's the biggest game for Iowa since 1985. That's 35 years. That's, that's quite quite the statement. It, it's massive. It, it has playoff implications. If Iowa wins, its playoff path is pretty clear. No one on the schedule remains totally scary since Wisconsin's not very good. Nebraska, at Nebraska to the end the season would be the most difficult, and then of course a Big Ten title game, but look, if, if Iowa goes undefeated in the regular season and, and then loses a close one to a very good Big Ten East team, I could still see the Hawkeyes making a strong playoff case, so this is, it's a massive game over there in Iowa City. Before we get to that, just a few other items of note. I was falling asleep on Monday night, and I saw Josh Pates tweeted, Dan Mullen's press conference today was Scott's Tots level uncomfortable. If you know, you know, and of course if you, if you watch The Office, you do know what that means. So of course, I had to pull up the Dan Mullen press conference on YouTube, and it was it was wild. It was 25 minutes of pure acrimony. Dan Mullen, this like weird defensive um, but trying to be a, a nice guy vibe with the Florida Gator beat reporters on Monday, who were asking him lots of interesting questions about the use of timeouts and about. The lack of usage of Anthony Richardson, who only had about six snaps, Saturday's loss to Kentucky. Thomas Goldcamp, our own Thomas Goldcamp of Swamp 24-7, pressed Mullen on the overall trajectory of the program. I'll give Thomas credit. Dan Mullen kind of evaded the first question, probably thought he had Thomas off the hook. And then Thomas came back with the follow-up, which you're which we're going to play for you right now.
0: Whether it's right or wrong, a lot of the fans feel like maybe you guys are kind of stalled out at that New Year's 6 range. What, what is it going to take for you guys as a program to push through and, and get back to that SEC title game and a you know, oh, we situation the, where you can win it? We were, we were there last year. so. But, but do you understand the the concerns about the trajectory, given that you were there last year and now you're five games in, looking at a 3-2 and two record? No, I mean, each year is independent uh, of itself. You know, uh, a lot of different factors go into things from one year to the next. There's a lot of football still to be played this year. So we'll see how this year plays out.
1: So all in all, a very strange press conference for Dan Mullen. The fans, they're not happy. I went to the Swamp 24-7 message board. Seemed like they want him replaced. I just can't see that happening. I know that it's disappointing that Florida's 3-2. and two. But one of the losses was I rewatched the Florida Kentucky game. I don't know how they lost that game, which does say something about the coaching staff, but they, they were probably the better team. And then of course the close home loss to Alabama. This is what we kind of expected for Florida this year having to replace Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. So I'm not not totally shocked but uh, I think Dan Mullen's a pretty dang good football coach, and I think a lot of football programs across the country would be lucky to have him, and I think he's a lot better than the few guys who came before Dan Mullen in Gainesville as they were trying to replace Urban Meyer. Speaking of Urban Meyer, of course, he's in hot water for his viral video that everyone's seen since last week. You know, it's it's a, it's a, it's a major storyline now. It feels like Urban Meyer might not survive this, and we're, we're talking about this here on the College Football Daily because he's a legendary college coach, and maybe... Maybe if Urban Meyer gets fired, it has a ripple effect on college football. A lot of people in the past have jokingly linked Davo Sweeney to a head coaching job in the NFL. I think a lot of people would also do the same if Urban Meyer gets the boot here, because Davo's got Trevor Lawrence down there and Travis Etienne. But if you're Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shad Khan, you can't you can't go back to the college well, even though they might be totally different people. You can't you got to go with someone uh, stable as far as a proven NFL stable head coach, not like a mentally stable person. I, I think most people right now would be an upgrade from what urban Meyer is giving them at zero and four. And then as far as, I mean, we just got coaches just it's October 6th and we've just got a lot of upset fan bases with their coaches. Uh, LSU fans are pretty, pretty much have written off Ed Orgeron go to, check out the go 24 seven message board. It's it's we're on hot list season uh, talking about who they're going to get. And then Ed Orgeron for his part has after Saturday, he didn't seem to accept much responsibility in his latest press conference. He does say that he is responsible for LSU's performance though, is keeping a day by game approach and is not going to start thinking big picture and why the program trajectory has been so horrible since that 2019 national championship season. Not going to get into that uh, is what he's saying, but he's, he's focusing game by game and, and that means that they need to beat Kentucky this weekend. So anyway, a lot of drama going on. As far as the drama on the field in Iowa City for Iowa versus Penn State, we're going to have some good, clean fun. We're going to have a low-scoring, fun, classic Big Ten game. Let's let's listen to David Eicholt. Okay, David Eicholt joins us right now. Number three, Iowa versus number four, Penn State this weekend. David, we're definitely going to dive into the game here in a second. Big picture, though, when I was thinking about the first angle to start with you was I remember last year, Kirk Ferentz, bad offseason, had to fire Chris Doyle. And I just thought for a little bit that the magic was over in Iowa City. I thought last year was the beginning of the end. I thought they would have a classic, decent season, and that could be that. And here they are. I mean, he's, he's totally, totally rebounded, got off the mat. I know wrestling's big up there. <laughs> they, look, they look pretty damn good. Did you ever think that this could be happening right now after how weird last summer was? You know, I think that's an interesting question.
0: And I go back to when Iowa started out 0-2 last year, they lost two close games by a combined five points against Purdue and Northwestern to open up last season. And at that time, heading into that Michigan State game, I wrote a column and I said, this is going to define, you know, where Iowa goes from here. This is going to define the last, you know, sort of era for Kirk Ferentz. And I called it the most important game uh, in the history of his career, because I believe if Iowa started out 0-3 last year, I think all the rails go off. You know, I think you see a lot of people transfer. I think you see a lot of people buy out of the system. But I think it also goes back to when all the events happened over the summer. You know, Kirk Ferentz went up to his team and his former players and he said, can, do you still believe I can lead this program? And all the players said, yeah, they didn't want him to go. And I think that sort of confidence in him to really rebuild the culture and rebuild the program, I think that, you know, really helped the dynamic shift uh, within the walls of the program. And I think you look at right now after they beat Michigan State, after you know going through the covid year i think that's really brought the program a lot closer together not that previous teams weren't close but there's just a different you know, degree of chemistry and cohesiveness uh, with this group. So, you know, Iowa's won 11 straight games since then. 10 of the 11 have been by double digits. The only time they were within single digits was Nebraska when Iowa only beat them by six. So, you know, I don't think I saw this coming, but I did think they would be able to rebound. But then you look at the recruiting rankings, you look at everything else, and, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, Iowa could be entering the golden era of Iowa football. In the last stretch of Kirk Ferentz's career, I think you look at the product on the field, look at the recruiting rankings, everything just sort of you know starting to blend that way and it's starting to trend that way. And I think Saturday is going to play a huge, huge part in where this program goes.
1: Wow, that's quite the statement. I was listening to uh, Kirk Herbstreit and Matt Berry talk about Iowa the other day, talk about the recruiting rankings and how they're you know classically top 25 maybe, but 25 to 40 national range and 7 to 10 in the Big Ten. I was like, well, I mean a few years ago they had a few five stars huh? so they'll go get that guy when it makes sense, but yeah, I mean these are these are the the classic Iowa kids. I also think it's just the classic Iowa team. You've got one of the best linemen in the country and Tyler Linder in the center. You've got, it feels like they always have ball hawking defensive backs. No difference here. A running back, Tyler Goodson's I think the best running back Iowa's had since Sean Green. And then a quarterback who's I had some concerns about Spencer Petris or Petris yep. or you, you can answer that for me. Uh, I had some concerns about it. Yeah, P- Petrus. <laughs> Petrus. he's not a, yeah, my biggest concern was I can't ever remember how to pronounce his kid's name, uh, but he's <laughs> never going to light the world on fire. And I'm not sure if he's going to win a playoff game, but he's really come along, hasn't he, the last few weeks? I
0: think he has. And I think, again, if you if you tune out his first two starts where he threw four picks, he's really just been steady climbing. Again, he's not going to be a guy that you want to hinge the entire game on, laying him attack through the air. But when he's been given a clean pocket, he's shown the ability to hit deep downfield passes. And I do think that it helps while Iowa might not have the Noah Fant and TJ Hawkins in at tight ends. Sam Laporta's a reliable weapon. I think Luke Lachey is going to really be in that next sort of conversation over the next couple of years. But Iowa's, you know, team ball on the perimeter as far as skill guys it's probably among the best i've seen iowa have and i do think that goes a long way i mean i think you look at keegan johnson who's a four-star in 2021 class arlen bruce the fourth who's a four-star in the 2021 class they've each caught touchdowns in the past couple of weeks and when spencer Petrus is given a clean pocket he's shown the ability to make the throw the real challenge is if he has to escape the pocket, he has not shown me the ability to reset his feet and deliver, you know, keep his eyes downfield or beat you with his legs. I mean, let, let me put it this way, Trey. His his arm is getting him a scholarship, not his legs. I mean, Iowa's not known for their dual threat quarterback. So, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds, I think that Iowa's success this season going forward, it's going to hinge on the reliability of, an, of a young offensive line. They have Tyler Linderbaum in the middle, but if they can get consistency out of their offensive tackles and offensive guards, I think that's gonna go a long way for them. I think Petrus has shown he's not gonna turn the ball over, but he's gonna do just enough uh, to give Iowa the win. And I think it's worth mentioning too, Iowa special teams as a unit probably, you know, probably in the top ten in the country with the field goal kicker going eight of nine. The only one he's missed was due to a bad snap. Tori Taylor. Uh, has really done a great job of pinning the opponents within the 10 to 20 yard line. And Iowa just wins the field position battle. In fact, they actually lead the country in most drives uh, started in opposing territory. 25% of their drives are in opposing territory. So, you know, Iowa's offensive stats might not blow team, you know, blow people out of the water. But this is a group in, with Petrus, They're just doing what they need to do right now. But I do think that this weekend against an absolutely loaded Penn State secondary, it, it's going to be that real test about how far this Iowa team can go.
1: The Penn State series, if you, if you throw out 2020, call it a COVID year, it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. And starting with that 27, I mean, they've played several times, <laughs> a ton of times, but 2017, <laughs> iconic Saquon Barkley-Josie Jewell game. Penn State wins yep. by two. Penn State wins by six in 2018, by five in 2019 in Iowa City. What is it about these programs recently, especially since James Franklin got to Happy Valley, that makes for such maybe ugly, but also compelling football?
0: You know, I think that's, the, that's a big question. I've gone back and forth on myself. I mean, like you said, there's really been no easy games for either program. Yeah, Iowa won by 20 last year. But I mean, look, I, last year was a wash, I think, on many fronts. And I think everybody knew Penn State was going to bounce back this year. Actually, if you combine the two uh, programs winning streaks, they've won a total of 20 games altogether. Penn State's last loss came against Iowa last season. So you know, there might be a little bit of a revenge factor for them there as well. But I think you look at the battle in the trenches, I think you look at the stars on both sides typically show up. I mean, we've seen I know AJ Epinesa have big games. We've seen, you know, like you said, Saquon Barkley, I think put together the most impressive single game performance in regular season against an Iowa team in the regular season that I've ever seen. I, I don't think anything is gonna top the Christian McCaffrey 2015 Rose Bowl <laughs> with what with what he did there. But you know, I just think it's two teams, two programs that have a lot of respect for one another. They know each other's schemes. And I think Spencer Petras said best today. I think they know Penn State knows what Iowa's gonna do on offense. Iowa knows what they're gonna do on defense. It's just gonna be a chess match about who who can better execute and i think that both programs pride themselves on enough of the similar similar things that it really does cause these programs to play close and you know Wallace might not be the best comparison in the world i think you throw it you look at iowa wisconsin it's sort of that same boat i mean you're getting tough physical football it's going to be one in the trenches there's not going to be too much flashy unless saquon barkley's playing but uh i just think that The style of these two coaches and the chess match between the coordinators, I think that's really gone a long way in how these sort of series uh, has been decided in the past few years.
1: We'll wrap this up. I know you're in the press box and you got a press conference and a busy week. And I can't <laughs> believe, you know, as we record, it's only, I think it's Tuesday. Set the scene for us. I know a big, uh, big, big noon kickoff will be there. What's it? What, what's the vibe right now around campus? What's the vibe around the city? Or uh, it's, it's Iowa. It's, it's October. I'm assuming the, the leaves are turning and the, uh, the, the temperatures are dropping. Is it football fever? Is this is uh, just tell, tell me what it's, what it's like when, when you look at and, and just,
0: I'll check say this. I, th- I think, I think, this is Iowa's biggest regular season game since 1985. Because I think the last time there was a similar situation like this is when Iowa had a last second field goal. Number one, Iowa had a last second field goal against number two, Michigan uh, to top them in that year. And I think this is sort of the same vibe. I mean, if you look at Iowa's schedule throughout, you know, I've always been a big proponent that the Big Ten West and Big Ten East aren't that far off in talent difference between talent. I'm not saying that this year. Look, Nebraska is probably the second best team, the Big Ten West I've seen so far. And if that doesn't tell you anything, I don't know what is. So I think you look at it from this standpoint, and this is what excites fans. If Iowa beats Penn State, it really sets them up for one of those potential special seasons. I think you look at, you know, they, they play against Purdue, then they go out Wisconsin, then you get Northwestern, Minnesota, and Nebraska. So, again, you look at that, I think they're feeling good about playoff, but I think Iowa fans are also excited about the possibility of getting back to a Rose Bowl. So I think the energy is at an all-time high. I think, you know, not being able to watch the team last year has certainly amped up the energy and amped up the uh, excitement. And I I do think, I think, you know, 24-7 sports, Brandon Marcello wrote this earlier this week, and I can't help but agree with him. I think that this could be the Big Ten game of the year, and I think that this could be an all-time classic in the Big Ten. I'm expecting two you know, smash-mouth football teams, and I think that this has the makings to uh, really set up the winning program for a shot at getting to the college football playoff.
1: David, we appreciate you joining us. It's going to be a fun week there. Enjoy it. Hey, thanks, man. Always good join you. Thank you. Thanks again to David for joining us. He was doing that interview from a, I think, a closet in the Iowa Hawkeye press box. So that was that was nice of him. And I forgot to ask while we were live, but he told me after he has Iowa winning twenty to seventeen. That's a significant score because the Hawkeyes are two and a half point favorites. So you heard it here first. David Eicholt has the Iowa Hawkeyes covering. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trace Scott. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you on Thursday.